0: Good morning and welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. It's a privilege to welcome you this morning and to wish all of the mothers a happy Mother's Day as well as those who are like mothers to us. We are grateful to have you worshiping with us this morning and all of the ways that we are able to be together. And uh, we are grateful to be together even on this rather rainy Florida morning. And if you're worshiping with us for the first time, we are especially honored by your presence, and we hope that we are able to be a virtual church for you during these times, and if and when this pandemic is over, that you will join us here in person or continue to worship with us online. Lots of things have been actually happening around the life and ministry of this church, believe it or not, during these times. I'm pleased to report that our early childhood learning center, Precious Cargo Academy, uh, opened this week, and uh, their census reached into the 80s, which is about half capacity, um, but they are under lots of rules, lots of protocols, but lots of happy children and lots of even happier parents uh, that they are back open. And, uh, and so we're grateful for Dr. Leanne Badham and her staff and all of the amazing things that they do there. And so we're glad to have them back open safely. Last week, I uh, mentioned and we started the giving button uh, here on the live stream. The Facebook giving button is on its way. We're still finalizing all of the paperwork for that. But the giving button on the live stream, we want you to know we learned some important things that we're still learning about it. And that is, uh, it goes live before the service. And then as worship begins, it fades. Unless you move your mouse on top of the uh, service, it will reappear. And so we're working with live stream to understand more about the dynamics of that button. But also we want you to know that is a secure uh, donation site. And um, as I like to say it 's the uh, offering plate of the 21st century, and so I want to weigh because it has been a tradition of this congregation for many years that our mother 's day on mother 's Day we receive a special offering for one of our mission partners, baby basics and so today our offering is going to baby basics. And Baby Basics provides uh, diapers for parents who are working but need help with the the costs of those basic uh, essential items, such as diapers. You know, when I served on the board of Baby Basics, I learned about the immense costs and burden that some of those just basic baby supplies cost, and so they are able to do this not only here in Collier County, but there are baby basic chapters throughout our country, and we're fortunate that the founders of baby basics, Jean Ann and Dick Lynch, are members here at Naples United Church of Christ, and we're very proud to be their church home. And so one of the ways that we support their work is we are actually a distribution site out of McSpadden Hall, And I'm proud that they have continued to distribute during this time of pandemic. And uh, another way that we support their work is through an an offering that we receive on Mother's Day. So when it comes time for the offering after the sermon, you will see if you, again, move the cursor across your screen, you'll see that give button. We hope that you will give and give generously. Or you can mail a check to the church. Of course, we check our mail each weekday and just uh, put Baby Basics in the memo line. You can go to naplesucc.org uh, slash donate and there in the drop-down menu is Baby Basics. You can designate your gift that way or you can call the church office in the morning and uh, charge your credit card and we're happy to receive those gifts on their behalf and pass that along to them. I want to let you know that our Wednesday activities continue this week at noon. We have our midweek meditation, and then at 5 o'clock, we will have our clergy roundtable. And so we hope that you'll tune in via live stream and Facebook Live and be a part of both of those. And then next Sunday at 4 p.m., there's going to be a really fun event. You know, one of the things that we miss Uh, for all of us during this is the opportunity to sing together. And so uh, Dr. Becky Weiss-Rumpf, Dr. Alexandra Carlson, and our chamber choir have put together a really fun event uh, in a congregational sing-along. And so what you will find is some very familiar hymns as in, Becky has promised me there is nothing unfamiliar in this. And so what it will be is you'll get to hear the organ, you'll get to hear the piano, you'll hear our chamber choir, and then you'll have the lyrics uh, on the bottom screen graphics. And it's at four o'clock next Sunday, and it will be a good old-fashioned sing-along where you will get to sing some of the great hymns of the church and enjoy that time uh, virtually. And so we hope that you'll make plans now to join us next Sunday, 4 o'clock, live stream, Facebook Live, so that you can uh, enjoy and get your uh, lungs moving along and, and get your vocal cords in shape for the time when we do get to return in person for worship. Those are all the announcements I have for us at this time. So indeed, as an intergenerational congregation, let us prepare our hearts and join together in this opening hymn this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask, O God, that as we continue in this time of worship, that you would speak either through me or in spite of me but that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. Have you ever wondered how the authenticity of a particular painting or sculpture is determined? I recently read an article about this and it was fascinating to learn how experts look for unique characteristics or quirks held by each artist that give away their identity. It could be the type of bristle in a preferred brush or it could be the location from which a marble slab was quarried. It could even be something as subtle as the depth of the paint or the lightness of the chisel. All work together to portray the artist as much as the artist was working to portray their subject. Writers and speakers are artists as well. They too demonstrate the same tendency towards unique mannerisms and literary tics. For example, the annual Hemingway Write Alike Contest, sponsored by Sloppy Joe's Bar, one of Hemingway's favorite haunts, pokes fun at Hemingway's run-on, multi-clause, described to death style, by challenging contestants to limit their entry to one single sentence entries regularly run over half a page or more in length but they are just one sentence By the way, in case you were tempted to enter this year, the contest, which is usually held in June around Hemingway's birthday in Key West, is canceled this year due to the pandemic. Biblical scholars also look for vocabulary or voice to determine the authenticity of any text. In this morning's scripture reading, Jesus is addressing the disciples after the Last Supper. This so-called farewell discourse encapsulates great themes and motifs that run throughout Jesus' entire ministry. In the 12th verse, Jesus utters what biblical scholars identify as one of his favorite verbal tics or traits a phrase that he repeats over and over again. In a wide variety of situations to all sorts of audiences, Jesus telegraphs the importance of what follows with the identifying phrase, I tell you the truth. It was almost as if Jesus could not tell a parable or start a story without saying I tell you the truth. The New Revised Standard Version, the translation that we use here, translate this phrase as, very truly I tell you. While the King James Version records, verily, verily, I say unto you. Most literally, the translation in English would read, amen, Amen. I tell you the truth, Jesus says in today's text. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Can you invent a more astounding pronouncement? Can you come up with better words of encouragement? This truth, the promise of Jesus' continuing presence, must have been music to the ears of those confused listeners at the Last Supper. And Jesus saying, I tell you the truth was not merely filler to stretch out his sermons, Not that preachers ever do that. I tell you, the truth was, in fact, the essence of Jesus's mission. It was who Jesus was at his core. I tell you, the truth was at the heart of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus came to tell us the truth about ourselves and about the world in which we live, even when those truths are difficult to hear and perhaps are even convicting to our souls. During the Last Supper with his disciples, as Jesus tried to prepare them for his departure, Peter demanded to go with Jesus. Peter even vowed that he would lay down my life for you. And Jesus responded, I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. The truth about ourselves is not always flattering. Jesus also told the truth about the larger world that we have created in our own likeness. Jesus told the truth about the sins and the shortcomings that bind us together more than the, any ties of nationality, color, or creed ever could. This past Friday would have been Ahmad Arbery's twenty-sixth birthday. Mr. Arbery was the black man who was murdered on a Sunday afternoon this past February in a vigilante-style killing by Gregory McMichael and his son, Travis. The McMichael family claims that they believed Ahmaud matched the description of a suspect in, quote, several area break-ins and robberies. However, when the USA Today newspaper filed a public information records request about the break-ins in this area, they were informed that there were none that matched that description. Two prosecutors recused themselves because of connections to Gregory McMichael, who is a retired Glenn County police officer, and former investigator for the district attorney's office. Lest we forget that Mr. Arbery was killed eight years to the month after Trayvon Martin was killed in our own state, another unarmed black man, murdered as if this somehow answers deep questions of privilege, racism, racial tensions, and social dis-ease. Perhaps those of us with privilege need to hear what Charles Blow said in his New York Times editorial this week. Slavery was legal. The black codes were legal. Sundown towns were legal. Sharecropping was legal. Jim Crow was legal. But perhaps in this case, now that there has been an arrest, justice will roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream, just as the prophet Amos foretold. Many of us keep thinking about and discussing what the new normal will look like when we reach the other side of self-quarantine and self-isolation. What will life be like, especially after a vaccine is created for COVID-19? What will our social norms be Recently, Deb shared with the clergy team an article that she had read that discussed instead of the concept of a new normal, rather a preferred normal. The basic premise of the article is that instead of our lives being dictated by what will automatically be a certain way after this episode, that we can choose to be intentional about how we will reconstruct our lives and in some sense, our society. I've given a lot of thought to what the preferred normal will look like for Naples UCC. Our staff and our lay leadership are pouring tremendous energy into visioning what the church of the future will look like. What programs and ministries will need to be revised to give life and new meaning in a preferred normal? What programs and ministries will need to end and to have us appropriately grieve so that we can midwife and give birth to new things that God is calling us to do so that we can reach people who may not be able to gather in crowds? What can we offer virtually instead of solely in person? What does it look like to be a church that has both a physical campus here at 5200 Creighton and a virtual campus where you can access so much of what you love about this church without leaving the safety of your home? What kind of resources, staffing, and infrastructure will that require? But I also wonder about a preferred normal for our world, I wonder what it would look like for our society to finally deal openly and honestly with our issues around race and privilege. In a preferred normal, what would it look like for all people to have access to care like what the neighborhood health clinic provides? In a preferred normal, what would it look like For people to live in safe and affordable housing, like a habitat home. You see, the truth that Jesus told was about God's love and God's forgiveness. The truth that Jesus told was also about God's salvation for our world. The truth that Jesus told was that compassion, sacrifice, suffering, and mercy can be signs not of human weakness, but of divine strength. Jesus came to tell the truth, even when it is uncomfortable for us to hear. However, this truth can also both surprise and set us free to go places that we've never even dreamed possible. Listen. I tell you, the truth